Good afternoon, church. It's nice to see your beautiful faces this afternoon um, from this side um, of the hall. Um, I want to thank God for this opportunity, um, you know, once again um, to be here speaking in the General Assembly of Ngobo leaders. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very intimidating task, um, but I know God is here with me, right? And today's message, we're going to preach it together, so... <laughs> Um, thank you for coming to church. Um, thank you for you know, showing up. The Bible says he has not called the seed of Jacob to seek him in vain. So I'm confident in God that you will not leave this place the same way you came in the name of Jesus. All the men in the house, give God a shout! Come on, let's, let's, let's do it with a baritone voice as we're taught. Men, ignite church. Give God a shout! This weekend has been amazing. If you are not here, you missed. Full stop, right? You missed. Where were you? Um, but the good news is you can relive the experience. Um, Reverend Sam, PWA, like, you know, it, the teachings were amazing. You don't want to miss out on that kind of teaching. I will encourage you to go on our um, YouTube channel, um, HO Praise. Um, you know, relive the experience and it will bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, last week, we had a very, very powerful, unique um, message here um, titled, Achieving Your Dreams, right? How many of you are blessed? If you're here and you're blessed, just, you know, let's appreciate the gift of God in Pastor Wange Akishiku. Come on, you can do better than that. That was some message. Um, I, I, I can't even describe, you know, the, the Q&A was something else as well. Like, it was saying some things. I'm like, ah, I, do I read my Bible at all? Like, <laughs> is this thing in the Bible? Uh, it's amazing, like, you know, what God has given us at Ignite Church. Um, PWA, PTA, we love you so much. Thank you for everything you do. Um, God bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to continue um, today. Uh, we're going to, um, if you have, like, your, the workbook we had, you would remember that we stopped at um, hindrances to achieving your dreams, right? So we're going to continue in that line today. And, um, but before um, we go into that, I just want to do a quick recap for you know, those that were not here, you know, either you couldn't watch online, you couldn't join us in person. Um, achieving your dreams, um, this is part two, but recap from last week. We defined a dream as a deep-seated desire that you have in your heart. Right? And Proverbs 13, 19 says, a desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul. So this desire that you have in your, nothing else can replace it. A dream, until you fulfill your dream, until you achieve that God-given dream, um, you cannot feel fulfilled. And pastor gave us examples of, you know, um, great men and women out there, you know, that they have all the money in the world, but they still don't feel fulfilled. They're looking for something to satisfy, you know, that, that, that emptiness they have because they, 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 what they've pursued up until this moment is not a dream. It's not a God-given dream. Even though, you know, people have applauded them for it, um, people appreciate them for it, they have many people following them, but it's only a God-given dream that can bring fulfillment. A dream is a picture of a better future. And it taught us about, you know, substitutes for dreams, right? Wishful thinking. 
wishful thinking, and selfish ambition. Emphasis on selfish. Um, to achieve anything, to achieve any dream that God gives you, it requires ambition. Selfish ambition is when, you know, everything you're thinking about is centered around you. You know, I will do this, I will buy this, I will achieve this. Um, people are going to be looking for me. They're going to, I'm going to be sought after. You know, everything, like if, if what you're thinking about or if the dream that you say you have is centered around you, you don't need God. You're not thinking about God. He's not bigger than you. He's not bringing you to a place where you're coming to God and say, hey, this dream is bigger than me. I need your help to achieve this dream. Then it is not a genuine dream from God. It is a false substitute. I'm going to look at the main characteristics of a genuine dream. Uh, Peter B. gave us six of them. The first one is it brings fulfillment to you, as I mentioned. The second one is the impact will outlive you. You will leave a long-lasting impact. Long after you're gone, you know, whatever it is that God has put in your heart as your dream, as your vision, you're still going to be blessing people long after you're gone. It is self-motivating. So anything that, you know, you say this is my dream and people have to motivate you and encourage you, uh, you know, then definitely that is not your God-given dream. You have to look for something else. A genuine dream is self-motivating, like it propels you forward. Um, you don't need anybody to encourage you um, or to motivate you if you have a genuine dream. Number four, it enables positive change and brings about positive change. And number five, it is associated with a specific place or space. So you can't say your dream is to solve world hunger, right? That's, you know, falls under wishful thinking. Um, six is it attracts selfless people to you, right? So a dream, as we said, you know, it requires, it's bigger than you, so it requires help from God. And God will send people that would help you, um, you know, in life to help you achieve that dream, that goal that he has given to you. And until you find your purpose in life, until you find your dream, um, you will not find selfless people around you. You will not attract selfless people around you that will help you in you know, the pursuit of the achievement of your dream. So that's where we stopped. We took the, the questionnaire, um, and you know, we, if you, you have your score, you've documented that, and you know, we have asked to you know, write out your dream. Um, you can write it over and over and over again, and we all know what is happening next week. Um, I'll go over it again at the end, but today we're gonna to be looking at the reasons why people fail to achieve their dreams. Um, let's bow our heads to pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to come into your presence and to learn at your feet. Holy Spirit, we ask you to take the stage. Teach us yourself. Open up your word to us. Let us behold wondrous things from your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your word this afternoon bring about transformation in our lives in the name of Jesus. We will not return and we will not leave your presence the same way we came in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Amen. Many people have dreams, right? You know, we all hear it. I have, I have a dream. I have this aspiration. I have this desire. But the truth is not everybody achieves their dream. The failure and frustration experienced by many people can be tied to some of the points we're going to be discuss discussing here today. And the first one is misinformation. Misinformation. 
Misinformation is, you know, lies with an int of truth, right? So, for example, if you walk into this building, let's say on a Friday afternoon or during the week, and say you come here looking for PWA, for example, and you meet me at the door and say, PWA is in the office here, and you're like, oh, is PWA here? I'm like, um, no, he's not here, right? I mean, he's not in the sanctuary area, but PWA is in the building. So if you take my word for it and you turn back without seeing him, right, I've given you after it, false information, right? Um, and the thing about information is information influences our thoughts. It influences our actions. And your mindset, so your mindset goes a long way in determining if you will achieve your God-given dream or not. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Which tells us that our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. Which takes place in our mind, right? What you're thinking. The information you pay attention to influences your thoughts. And information is any piece of news, any piece of knowledge that influences your thoughts. Right? And according to the scripture, you become what you think. Right? So, you accept information, you listen, you pay attention to information, you read something, you know, it goes into your heart. And then based off of that, it forms your thought pattern, the way you think, your belief system. That's what, you know, we call mindset, because that belief system goes, you know, uh, 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 gets set up in your mind in such a way that, you know, when you are acting, you are acting on those things that you believe because you've been exposed to information uh, you know, that, 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 that tells you, like, this is how these things operate. I come into this sanctuary, I see a chair, you know, right here. I, I'm not trying to, like, you know, figure out, like, oh, is this, um, can I sit on this? Like, is this going to hold my weight, right? Because I know, like, hey, um, you know, it, it's a chair. Um, it's been tested. Like, I can come, sit. I'm not even thinking about it. But if I told you that, hey, you're going to ask of, um, sorry, you're going to Ignite Church this afternoon, right? Um, on the second row, actually, there's a chair or a couple of chairs that I will sit on it, you're going to fall. So if I'm coming to church with you, I see my chair, I sit down, and you are standing there and like, and you're shaking all the chairs, right? You know, you're, you're trying to check, like, oh, is everything, someone looking at you will be like, why is she doing that? But you're doing that based on the information that someone has given you, and you're acting it out. That is why information, the flow of information is very, very important. Whoever controls the flow of information into your life controls your life more or less. A very good example is the parable of the talent. We all know it in um, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. You know, um, about a man traveling to a far country and he called his servants together. And he gave them talents, right? Um, the Bible recorded that, you know, to one, you know, he gave five. To another one, he gave two. And to the last one, he gave one. The interesting thing for me, um, you know, is there were three servants. They had the same master, right? But only one of them acted differently. The two other ones, they invested and they doubled what the master gave them. So why was it that this one servant acted differently from the other two? And we can see the answer. Like, in, turn, with me to, um, turn with me to Matthew 25, 
verse 24. Uh, it says, the one who had received one talent, so this is when the master came back, also came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid to lose the talent, and I went and eat your talent in the ground. See, you have what is your own. Where I want to bring your attention to specifically is where the servant said, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man. I knew, knew, you know, knowledge. So he's saying here that I, I have a piece of knowledge. I got an information, you know, that tells me that, hey, you're a very harsh man. And I to put it that, you know, he believed that the man is going, the master is going to rob him of, so if he was to go out and invest, whatever he gets, the master is going to take it from him. So that's what he's trying to say, like, you know, you, you, you try to reap where you did not sow. And he's saying that based on that information, I have decided that the best thing for me to do is not to trade, is not to invest. It's for me to hide your talent, and now that you're back, take your thing, right? So he acted based on that information, and that led to grave consequences for him. Bible recorded that he was casted out, but it was all because he was acting on the wrong information. Because we know, right, the, the person that traded with five, the person that traded with two, and they doubled it. The master didn't, he didn't collect it back. Instead, he gave them more, right? So he got the wrong information. He was misinformed. And that's exactly, you know, the word miss in front of information just means bad or wrong information. And many people are falling prey to the deception of the devil, right? And they've been completely derailed from achieving their dreams because somebody at some point, at some time, gave them the wrong information that led to them taking the wrong action and set them back years. What you do and what you don't do is down to your mindset. Your mindset, your belief system is influenced by the information that comes into your heart. That's why Ignite Church, um, you cannot just afford to consume anything and everything that comes your way. It really doesn't matter, right? Like a book, when you pick up a book, whatever book it is, what you're doing is you're rubbing minds with the author of that book, right? You're exchanging thoughts. That thought, like, you know, whatever it is, if it's good, it comes into your mind, right? It comes into your subconscious. You start acting on it and it makes your life better. And God forbid, if it's the other way around, it's the same thing. I'm doing the conference here on Friday night. Um, Reverend Sam said something very profound that you can't just say, oh, yeah, you know, um, I really don't pay attention to it like that. You know, I just, I just listen to it in the background. I just want to know what's going on. Like, you know, I know people have said, you know, that guy is controversial, is this, but, you know, I just, I just like listening to him. Like, there's no arm there, right? There is arm because everything you're reading, everything you're hearing is part of it is going into your subconscious. And what happens is it takes on a life of its own. Right? And you take actions that you don't even know that is based on strong goals that the enemy has put in the person's mind based on the information that they have exposed themselves to. So what is the solution? 
What is the solution to misinformation? John 16, 13. John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truths. It will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. It will tell you. So the first step is engage the spirit of truth, which is the only spirit. And the second thing you need to do is to test every piece of information against the truth of the word of God. You have that responsibility to test it's not everything you know, that you read that you believe. It's not everyone that calls themselves you know, man of God. There are false prophets out there. There are false teachers out there. You know, the Bible recorded that in the end times, we'll have a lot of these things. And this is your life. This is your dream. You cannot afford for someone, because the devil knows, right? If he comes outright to you and tells you that, oh, um, you know, go, go and jump like, off a cliff or whatever, and like, you're back. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, that's, that's too obvious, right? You'll push back. But he uses people that are familiar, concepts that are familiar. So you have to test, you have to ask the only spirit, like whatever information you're getting, oh, is, this, is this right? Is this you know, part of your plan for my life? Is this part of the plan that you have for me to achieve this dream? Or is it just good sounding rubbish? Right? I pray that you will not fall prey to misinformation in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Um, 2 Samuel 13, verse 23 to 33. He talked about, um, you know, uh, uh, David was given the wrong information that, you know, they've killed all of his sons. And as a result of that, he broke down crying until someone came and said, hey, they've not killed all of, they only killed one. Right? So someone hears something, you know, one rumor somewhere and they carry it and it cascades and it cascades and it cascades. See, if I say something foolish from, you know, where I'm standing right now, and a thousand people repeat it, it is not going to change the fact that it is foolish. Right? So the fact that, oh, yeah, the person that said it is this, is that, it doesn't matter. What does the word of God say? What is the only spirit saying about it? Because the only spirit is the spirit of truth. And the only spirit will not tell you anything that is contrary to the word of God. Hallelujah. Number two is mockery. Mockery. Nobody likes this one, right? You know, people making fun of you because of your dream, you have a dream. Joseph experienced this, you know, when he shared his dreams with his family. It's interesting that, you know, it's your own people that would, um, you know, hang you out to dry, right? But what I want you to know is nobody, nobody, absolutely nobody can make you feel small or irrelevant without your permission. Nobody. Ecclesiastes 7.21. I'm just taking a look at this scripture. It says, also, do not take seriously everything that is said. Right? It's, it's don't, don't take it personal. You know, it's at the point where, you know, you take it personal and you're running from pinger to post. What you need to do is, you know, you, you, you hear somebody is, you know, you know, saying something about you. They're trying to mock you. And what, like, face, um... <laughs> my, my friend got married um, to last week, right? Yes, yes. Um, and I was there, you know, I was the best man and, you know, doing one of the photo shoots and they were taking pictures. Uh, somebody was trying to ask him questions and he said, you know, I'm, I'm focused on my focus, right? That was his bride. <laughs> so I'm going to repeat that and say, you need to focus on your focus, right? Like, 
it's it, it's okay. Um, you know, when someone says, oh, someone is you know talking behind behind me, someone says something behind, that's why they are behind you, right? So picture it. You're let's say that is my, um, the goal I'm trying to achieve. No, that's my dream. I'm here, and God is directing me, right? I'm going, you know, towards my goal, towards my goal, and then I pass as I'm passing by. People are here talking about me like, oh, look at the way he's walking. Uh, he's just, you know, he's, he's very proud. He's this, he's that. Once, you know, for me to pay attention and even acknowledge what they're saying, I have to slow down. Right? I have to slow down. So, if the devil doesn't achieve anything at all, once you pay attention to, you know, people mocking you, he slows you down in the fulfillment of your dreams. And if I... If I take it a step further, right, so, you know, I'm going, it's like, you know, when you're driving and there's traffic, maybe there's an accident um, on the other side of the road, and you see people driving, and they're trying to look, you observe that, you know, they, they slow down, like, they, they're not going as fast, you know, as, as, as they would normally go, and that's what happens when you pay attention to, you know, people trying to mock you because they don't understand you, right, and then if I say, oh, yeah, I want to engage, like, they, they have to understand, I want them to like me, I don't they understand, I'm trying to do good in this world, and then I stop, right? I stop. Now I'm not making any progress anymore. I'm not making progress. I come back to them, and I'm trying to explain, like, oh, this, see, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, God actually sent me, like, you know, um, God is helping me. This is what is going to happen. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, you've changed. You've, and then they are dragging you, and before you know it, your back is turned to your dreams. That's what the Bible, Bible is saying. Don't take it seriously. It is not personal. See, the devil is just using the people around you, those people you know, that are mocking you and stuff. The goal of the devil, he knows, right, that you've made up your mind to follow God in the pursuit of your dreams. God has given you this dream. You've gone to God and like, God, I cannot achieve this without you. You're following him. You know, you're in sync with the Holy Spirit, going towards your dream. And what the devil will do is to bring those people you know, saying things, mocking you, be, you know, behind you or, or whatnot, because he wants to slander you. He knows that, you know, if you keep going at the speed that you're going and you achieve your dream, you will recruit more people. People will ask you, John, you know, Joy, um, um, you know, uh, uh, like, what, how did you do this? Like, you know, something is different. We've tried this thing that you're doing. It's different. Why is everything working for you? And then you point them to Jesus, right? And you recruit more people. But the devil doesn't want that. So you have to understand that this thing is not really about you. It's about the dream that God has given to you. So please focus on your focus. Right? Mockery and criticism, negative criticism, right? It's just settling it in your mind. It's part of the price you will pay for having a dream. You know, don't be surprised when people mock you. Uh, yeah? If, 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 you walk, if you're walking with God, it's, it's just a matter of time. You know, people are going to mock you. People are going to mock you because they don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand, you know, they mocked Jesus while he was here as well. Because you would take some decisions that they would just be like, oh, what a foolish decision, right? But then, they, they, at the end of it, they will get to see the glory of God. And they will come and say, wow, see what God has done. That will be your testimony in the name of Jesus. So there's nothing you can do about this. The only thing you can do and nobody here will do it in Jesus' name is you have to abandon your dreams. You know, for if you want people to stop talking about you. Actually, it goes beyond that. Because they're not going to stop until they get rid of you. 
See, the breath that you are breathing, some people are just like, look, look at how he's breathing. Like how he's just breathing up and down. It's taking space. Right? It's, so don't pay attention to those things. Number three is comfort. Come, comfort. We've all, we've all heard of the word comfort zone, right? Comfort zone is a beautiful place. Like you just, um, I was talking to someone about career the other day, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, um, you know, my work right now, you know, I've gotten the hang of it, like, you know, everything I'm doing, like, you know, I, I can do it in my sleep and whatnot. But the interesting thing about your comfort zone is nothing grows in the comfort zone. You're not stretching yourself. You know, if you don't stretch, if you go to the gym and, you know, you're lifting weight, you're training yourself, like, you're stretching your muscle, and that's how, like, you know, it grows. And that's why, you know, you get, you get fit and you get shredded. When you're in your comfort zone, nothing grows there. And even worse, your comfort zone is like the very first stage, the first beginning of failure. Because you're not making progress. But guess what? The fact that you're not making progress doesn't mean the world around you is moving on. They're leaving you behind. So you're not maintaining the status quo. There's nothing like that. Right? Prosperity and success would test your character infinitely more than hardship. When you're in trouble, it's easy, you know? When, when your back is against the wall, you need help. You know, you need that job. You need, you know, you, you, need, you, need, you need that promotion. You're, you're coming to prayer meetings. You're praying. You're seeking mentors. You know, you're talking to people. And you're taking trainings. You're reading. You're studying so hard. And then you get the job. Six figure. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, everything is, you know, nice. You, you, get, you get a car, you know, you, you now have, you have a house, you know, everything is nice. I knew that 8 o'clock, you are in church already. Or uh, for Ignite Church, you are here by 11. You know, your department, they know you. You are the first person to come. You're getting everything done. But now you've tasted success. You don't come to church until 2.30. Like, ah. You are just coming like, yeah, you don't understand. Like, you know, you don't, you, it's, it's not like before. Like, my work is very busy. You know, you, you can't understand HOD. You can't understand. You no, know, you, you're, you're an individual, individual contributor. Like, you know, I, I'm responsible for 10 people, right? Like, even on the weekends, like, I'm, I'm still on the clock. <laughs> that is what the enemy wants. Or, you know, you, you, are, you are training, you are, you are, you're reading so hard for, for an exam that you know that it will add value to you and add value to your life. And then you get the job, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I was, why was I reading in the first place? I was reading to get the job. Now I have the job. I don't have to do anything again. It's the lie of the devil. It's one of the ways that, you know, the devil cheats people out of their, you know, dream. Don't quit after a victory. The two most common times people quit is after a defeat and after a victory. It's easy when, you know, it's easy to encourage someone that is trying to quit after a defeat. It's, it's, it's quite easy. You know, you encourage them, you can go again. Um, you know, and, and they, 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 they feel better, you know, they, they, they go for it again. But, you know, someone that has tasted success, and like, oh, you know, you can do more. There is so much more land to come. You're like, oh, yeah, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine where I am. Not everybody will become this. Not everybody will become great. Like, you know, I just want to, I just want to be comfortable. It's, it's amazing how, um, I, I can't remember who, who said it exactly, but you know, when we get to heaven, um, it'll be interesting because 
some people would weep uncontrollably. Not because of, you know, maybe they lost anything, but by the time God shows them, like, you know, what the assignment was, versus what they achieved. It's, it's, it's going to, and I pray that that will not be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. So please, don't let comfort derail you from pursuing your dreams. Amos 6.1, it says, Also, what sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem, and you will feel secure in Samaria. You are famous and popular in Israel. So you're famous, right? You're, you know, everybody runs after you for mentorship, but you don't have a mentor. You've arrived, right? You can't grow. You know, you can't grow. You can't achieve your dreams that way. You have to keep going. There is still, see, the Bible says our past will shine brighter and brighter. There, there, there is no place in Christianity, in the Bible, in the kingdom of God, where somebody can say, oh, yes, I, I have arrived. We all keep pressing towards the mark. There is still so much more land to conquer. I pray for you that, you know, you will not fall prey to the deceit of the enemy, and, you know, you will not lose your vision and your dream to comfort in the mighty name of Jesus. The grace to continue to go and press in and go and conquer among land, receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Number four is false accusation. This one is painful. Painful. False accusation. Nehemiah 6 is not on my slide, so I would you know, encourage you to open your Bible. So, this is when Nehemiah was embarked on a project to rebuild the wall you know, in Jerusalem. And Sambalat and Tobiah, right? They, they tried. They intimidated him. They mocked him. Like, what are you doing? And stuff. But that didn't work. He didn't pay attention to it. He kept going. And at the stage when, where it was almost done, mockery didn't work. Then they resorted to false accusation. I'm going to read quickly from verse 1. It says, Now Sambalat, Tobiah, Gesem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no bridge left in it. Although at the time I had not set up doors in the gates, Sambangat the Gesem sent a word to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Chiprim in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. Nehemiah must have had, you know, the spirit of truth. He's engaging the spirit of truth for him to be able to know that they were trying to arm him. So he, I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am focused on my focus, right? Like I'm pursuing my dream. I don't have time. I can't come down. I don't have time for this. Why should the work stop? Why should I, you know, leave my dream? Why should I abandon my dream just because I want to please you? Just because I want you to like me? No, I'm not going to do that. Verse 4. They sent what to me four times in this way. Friends, the enemy, the devil is very persistent. That's why when things happen to you, sometimes like, you know, try to look past, um, you know, the people around you that are causing you, you know, somebody said something, you are, you're upset. Like, it's not really the person, the enemy you're fighting in the pursuit of your dream is the devil. Verse 5 says, Then Sambala sent his servant to me in the same way, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. 
and it was written, it is reported among the neighboring nations, and Gash, Gashmu is saying that you and the Jews are planning to revolt, and that is the reason you are building the wall. And according to this report, you are to be their king. Now, they are accusing him of treason. Also, it is reported that you have appointed prophets to make a proclamation concerning you in Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah, and now these things will be reported to the Persian king. So come now, let us consult together. Verse 8. This is Nehemiah's response. I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done. You are inventing them in your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But oh, now, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. I want us to take note of Nehemiah's response here. In verse 9, you know, his response was to pray. He says, oh God, strengthen my hands. In verse 14 as well, give me verse 14. Nehemiah 6, 14. He's... He says, my God, remember Tobiah and Sambangat according to these their works and the prophet Nodar and the rest of the people and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. So, again, like your, your job is not to convince people. Yes, when, if you have to speak out and set the record straight, you know, once or twice, but your job is, really is not to, you know, go about, you know, looking for, you know, people to like you, like, oh, it's not like that, explaining yourself. You have, you know, the design, the plan of the enemy is for you to be entangled in that. You know, you take offenses, you're annoyed, you know, you're upset, you can't pray, and then, you know, you abandon your dream in the process. You have to focus on God's word. Yes, you know, sometimes he responded directly to them, but then he went to God. He went to God, and his focus was on God rather than the accuser. Because God is the one that brings hope. God is the one that brings strength. The song we just sang, it says, you are my strength, strength like no other. All Satan is interested in is bringing about confusion and fear. Like Nehemiah, we must carefully discern what is the motive behind the accusation. So when things are happening, somebody said this, somebody said that, we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern what exactly is happening. Because oftentimes you find that this is just the devil hiding behind whoever. False accusation can be a king of vision. Nehemiah did not allow this to happen. You also cannot afford to allow false accusation to kill your dreams. Number five is broken focus. Broken focus. The greatest cause of broken focus is distraction. You know, we've talked about it. We've touched on it a couple of times here this afternoon. You know, distraction can arise through many ways. You know, it can arise through, you know, you have comfort, you have little successes here and there, and now, like, you know, you, you've surrendered your dream, you've surrendered your vision, just because you're comfortable. Or it can arise through offenses. 
Now somebody said something, somebody's mocking you, um, you want to set it right. You can't take that, right? And then before you know it, you are entangled. Before you know it, you've turned your back. Before you know it, you've lost time. Let's see what the Bible says in Proverbs 425. I'm reading TPT. It says, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose. Looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. You don't have time. Listen, these people that are going about, you know, mocking you, saying all these things, accusing you, see, they're, they're, they're achieving their goal, right? They're, they're achieving their goal. Uh, all these target they set for themselves, they're meeting it because it's nothing, right? They aim at nothing. 100% of the time, they eat their target. So you are the one chasing after something, so you can't afford to join issues with them because they're going to slow you down. Or even worse, cause you to abandon your dream. That will not be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. And the sixth one is comparison. Comparison. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. That's the New King James Version. Right. We are all born unique, Right? You know, we are we're God's masterpiece. Um, the way I see it, you know, think about a piece of artwork and then divide it. Okay, actually, you know, even better. You know, we, all, we all know like puzzles, right? Like, you know, puzzles that you buy from the store and you have to put together and stuff. <laughs> Interesting story about puzzles. You know, when I was still dating, I was still single. My, my babe then was like, oh, yeah, I like, you know, solving puzzles and stuff. I don't like puzzles. I was like, oh, that would be fun. Like, you know, let's do it. Like, and, you know, she bought this thing, brought it to, the, you know, the house with, you know, some friends, and we're trying to put it together. And, you know, we got to some place, and I was like, oh, yeah, don't worry, I'll continue. Like, you'll see. <laughs> oh, they left. Let's just say that that puzzle is actually still somewhere unsolved in my house today. <laughs> So, um, so think about like you know when you put it together, right? So in the box, they tell you like the the the, the final product. What does it look like? Uh, it's a picture. Um, you know, sometimes you know it's a, it's a it's a landscape or whatever it is, right? So we are we are all a piece of the master. God has a unique plan for each and every one of us. You know, think about you know my my piece, right? Like, I cannot be replaced. In fact, if you put the wrong piece, it's not going to fit. What God asked for you to do, I can't do it. What I'm, you know, what God asked, the, the dream that God has given me, you cannot do it. Even when it seems that, oh, we might, you know, what we're doing is similar, God has sent you to, your own assignment is unique. And the, the, the sad thing is, 
you know, God created it that way. We are all unique. But many people die as photocopies. Right? Because, you know, I'm doing this, and then I see somebody doing the same thing, and then, you know, all I'm after now is like, I, I, I want to achieve the same thing my wife is achieving. You know, my wife, you know, I, and then all I'm doing is copying him, you know, uh, you know trying to find out, okay, what did you do? And I'm not even thinking about God that gave me the dream. And the thing about copying other people, there's nothing wrong in having mentors like in the field, you know, where God has called you into. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you find you know, someone that is doing something similar as you and all you want to do is, you know, be a copy. Like, you know, just want to copy everything they're doing. Truth of the matter is, number one, in, you know, the pursuit of that, you will always be second best, right? Because you cannot make your next move until, until they've made theirs, right? So that's all you're doing. Each of us have a distinctive call. So you have to be yourself. Your standard is God's unique plan and design for your life. You know, I hear things sometimes like, you know, someone comes to you, you know, maybe, you know, God has blessed you, you've achieved, you know, some things like, I'll, I'll take career as an example because it's just simple. You know, you, you, you're managing, you know, a team of, you know, 10 people, 20 people, and someone was like, oh, wow, for your age, like, you're doing great, right? Like, you know, I didn't even become a manager until, like, I was 40 or 50. And then, you know, you start feeling yourself as well. No, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. The plan of God for your life is unique. Right? It is unique. You can't say, oh, yeah, um, you know, at this, at this age, my father didn't even, you know, my father didn't do this. Or, you know, at this age, you know, and, uh, and people say, ah, your parents, you know, like, you, you're even doing better than them. And, and, you know, all of that is just, you know, for the enemy to slow you down. Because there's still so much ground to conquer. See, you know, mediocre people, you know, people that are average, you know, they are the ones that engage. You know, the Bible says here that, you know, they are not, this is the, this is the translation that is the most polite, actually. There's another translation that says they are just foolish, you know, comparing themselves to themselves. Your yardstick is God's plan, is God's design, is God's purpose for your life. You will always find somebody that is richer than you. You will always find somebody that is smarter than you. But your value, the value God has placed on you and your call is based on none of those. Galatians 6.4 says, Let everyone be sure that he is doing his very best. For when he will have the personal satisfaction to of work well done, and wouldn't need to compare himself with someone else. This is the living Bible, right? So all you have to do, God has given you a dream, according to this passage of scripture, all you have to do is to concentrate that you're, you know, make sure you're doing your very best. Make sure you're doing your very best. See, if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing what God called you to do, a thousand people you know, making noise, mocking you, saying whatever, you know, um, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change, you know, the plan of God for your life. It doesn't change what God is going to stay true to his word, and you have to remain in sync with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way you're going to achieve your dream. The same way, if you're doing the wrong thing as well, and you have like tens of thousands of people hanging you, it's not going to make it right. 
So you're unique. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Choose to become the person that God has made you to be. Tap into the originality and the genuine and creative wisdom of God that God has put in you. Because guess what? The dream that he gave you, right? The dream. You have the capacity. You have the potential inside of you. And you need God to help you unlock that potential. So focus on that. Be a pioneer. Stand out. Don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to, to get it with a few arrows. It, it comes with the territory. As I said, you know, the other option is just decide you don't want to achieve anything in life. And, you know, that is not the portion of anyone here in Jesus' name. In conclusion, don't be afraid to stand out in pursuit of your dreams. Don't be afraid to get it with a few arrows, right? You have to remain focused. Focused. Be true to who you are and what God has called you, you know, to do. So which is what you know that you should be doing. Your one and only audience is God. If you're doing the right thing, if you're doing what God has told you to do, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. I pray for you that, you know, you will achieve your dreams in the mighty name of Jesus. Um, this is a unique season. Um, Last week, um, Pastor told us to, you know, write our dreams, right? You know, he asked us to, you know, take the workbook home if you want to, um, you know, spend some time, tweak it. So I, I want to encourage, you know, everyone here, and if you are watching me online as well, I want to encourage, like, I'm done now, like, so this, this is just a little bit of an art to art, right? This, what is, you know, happening on Sunday, it's, it is... It is very, very important. It's the way I see it, the way I sense it, it's a turning point in destiny. I feel like Sunday is a day that, you know, hi, I don't know about anybody else, but I will look back and remember for good for the rest of my life. So I want to encourage you. You have friends, you have, you know, people that you care about. Even if they were not here on Sunday, it's fine if you can, you know, take a picture of the workbook, send it to them. If you know, send it to them, or just tell them, you know, to 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 pray, write down their vision. <laughs> Please, don't let the enemy cheat you or deceive you. I I know I know you are smart, like you know you got like you are smart. You can read the old book and recite it. Like, don't say, oh, I know exactly what I want. You know, I've always known it's in my head. No, write it down. Write it down. You know, write it down in a notebook, write it down on a note on your phone, write it down. Abacock 2 verse 2 says, and the Lord answered me, says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, so it may run who reads it. So write it down. That's the first step. The second step that I want to encourage everyone, as I said, you have friends, you have people you care about, you have family members. Send this to them. Encourage them. It's, it's just one Sunday. Encourage them to be here if they can make it. Please. See, what I'm doing here, Peter Bray did not send me, he, he couldn't care anything else. If he comes here on Sunday and there's only one person, trust me, it will pour out everything God has given him into that person. It, it doesn't make a difference. But you and I need this. And this is the core of God's calling upon his life, 
to empower people to achieve their dreams and fulfill their destiny. So if you're within the GTA, next week, Sunday, you don't want to miss it. You don't. So please, if it's possible, make your way down here. It gave us, you know, some things to prepare. I'm going to repeat them. We have to fast, you know. If you've never fasted before, you can try fasting until four. You can break. Um, the reason why, you know, we fast is, you know, to sharpen our spirit, man. Um, make sure you fast, right? It's not, fasting is not, you know, what's going to make, you know, make you work or whatever. You know, it's just to give our spirit man ascendancy, right? You know, to you know, help us to receive what God wants to deposit in our lives. So, Saturday, I mean, it's a weekend. So, if you want to, if you know, if you're anticipating that um, it's going to shake you a bit, just cancel your plans and tell your friends, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going nowhere. I'm just, you know, just sit on your couch and read your Bible, right? And you will make it. Trust me, it might not feel like it, but. You're not going to die if you fast from 6 a.m., from 12 a.m., sorry, to 4. You will be fine, actually. And, you know, if this is not your first time fasting, you break at 6. Pray before you come. He gave us a prayer point. The prayer point is, Father, so if you don't have it, you know, you can take note of it. Father, I'm thirsty for your grace. Whatever I would need, to achieve my goal, to fulfill my dreams and achieve my destiny that you have put in PWA. Father, let it come to me as it lay hands on me. Do you want me to repeat that? Okay. Prayer point again is, Father, I am thirsty for your grace. Whatever I would need that you have put in PWA, Father, let it come upon me as lay hands on me. I'm sure, like, you know, our um, social media team, they probably put it out there during the week as well. Um, so you can check um, on our social media pages. And then the final thing is avoid distractions and be expectant. Um, if you need to sit away from your friend when you come on Sunday, do it, right? Just avoid distraction, concentrate. Because this is going to be a turning point for you, for the better, in the name of Jesus. Because what is going to happen is, um, Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, you know, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So, he may run who reads it, right? Please, technical team, I need your help. Um, the scripture that says, you know, um, the hand of God came upon Elijah and it, he, he outran the, um, um, the chariot of Ahab. Um, if you can just put it on the screen for me, please. Yes, 1 Kings 18 verse 14. Thank you. Thank you so much. It says, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he gathered up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab. Herb was in chariots, horses, right, to the entrance of Jezreel. So, Habakkuk 2.2 says, you know, write the vision so that if you read it, you can run with it. To run with it, you need power. You need the empowerment of God. 
And what is happening on Sunday is, you know, God is putting that power. His name, the mighty hand of God is coming upon you through PWA. You receive that impartation and then you can run with your vision. You can run with your dreams. And whatsoever cannot stop God will not be able to stop you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let us pray. Let's rise to our feet. I want us to take one prayer point. I'm going to ask God for grace. I'm going to ask God for grace. Um, grace to do what is required. You know, last week, Peter B. taught us you know, about God and how he needs us, right? So when God gives you an instruction, if you're in partial obedience, you're not going to hear the next instruction, the next phase of it, until you obey. I'm going to pray, Father, give me the grace. Give me the grace to follow you. Give me the grace to rely on you, to trust in you completely in the pursuit of my dreams. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you, Lord, this desire, this dream that you have given to me, I cannot achieve it on my own, oh God. I acknowledge that of my own, I can do nothing. I need you. God, I'm asking that you give me the grace to depend on you day by day. Help me to be in sync with the spirit of the living God. Your word says you will guide me along the best pathway for my life. This dream that you've given me, I cannot achieve it without you. You are the one that knows the best pathway. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be misinformed. You know, I don't want to surrender my dreams because of, you know, me to success that I've enjoyed here and there. I don't want false accusations to stop me in my tracks. I don't want to compare myself and lose sight and lose focus of your unique plan for my destiny. Holy Spirit, we need the grace to be focused on you. The grace to avoid distraction. We need upon horses afternoon in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word that you have sent to us. Lord, we are asking, oh God, that we will not be hearers of your word alone, but we will be doers in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we are asking that your word that we received this afternoon will bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. We will have tangible manifestation of your word that you have sent to us today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are asking, oh God, in any way that you have been misinformed that has led to, you know, anyone here losing time or losing, you know, resources in the path to achieve their dreams. Lord, you are the God that restores. Lord, we are asking, oh God, that you will restore us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord, we are asking, oh God, that in any way that the enemy by deceit are stolen things from us in the pursuit of our destiny. Lord, we are asking, oh God, that you will give us the day double for our trouble in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are asking, oh God, 
and any way our hearts have been broken, you know, we've been hurt. Um, you know, somebody has said something behind our backs. You know, we've been we've been wrongly accused. Lord, we're asking, oh God, this afternoon that you will heal our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we're asking that you will heal us completely and you will heal every broken heart and make us whole in the name of Jesus. Father God, we're asking, oh God, that even as we wait on you this week, as we prepare to receive the power that you're about to deposit in us, that will propel us forward, that would empower us to run with the vision that you have given us. Father God, we come against every distraction in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we receive grace to do that which is required. We receive grace to pay the price in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray even before next week's Sunday, we will have testimonies of your grace, of your goodness in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, oh God, that even before Sunday, as we pray and prepare ourselves, Lord, we pray, oh God, Heavenly Father, that we will receive clarity for our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. There will be no confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. Our path would shine brighter and brighter in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we receive the impartation on Sunday, Lord, nothing, anything that cannot stop you, Anything that cannot hinder you will not be able to stop us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the glory forevermore. There is none like you, blessed Redeemer. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Ignite Church, give God a shout of praise.